0: Hey, welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I am so glad that you're with us today. Currently, we are in a series called Living the Dream, which we're going to be unpacking God's truths about how to be financially free. So let's get right into it out of God's Word. That you're here, especially on a Labor Day weekend. There's a lot going on, but nothing better than just worshiping God together. Man, it's good. If you're with us here, you've been with us for a little while, just want to say thank you so much for being here with us. We just hope and pray, most of all, that God becomes bigger than we could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. So, a couple things before we get into a new series, which I'm totally excited about uh, bringing to you. Uh, We have a very special, special thing that we do every quarter, it's called uh, Starting Point. And if you've been here for a while and thinking, you know, I think maybe this will be our spiritual home. I think this is going to be our church. I want to stay here, plant some roots here, I want my kids to get involved here. There's a special lunch right after the service in our fellowship center. And, of course, it's breakfast burritos, so um, we invite you to come and hang out. If you didn't sign up for it and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, we, we need to go to that, you, just come. we got plenty uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 so we know God's gonna provide everything that we need right so I um, want to make sure you know that also I wanted to celebrate a couple of quick things um, I'm always kind of looking God where are you working what are you doing last week some folks gave their lives to Jesus Christ and got baptized it's just an incredible moment of commitment and just want to say it was so good so good for you guys to do that and if you're thinking about that my thing is, why wait, man? Just go for it. Give your life to God, and we'd love to help you with that at the connection point. We can get you going. Um, also, last Tuesday night was our very first, since you know COVID hit, we had to kind of uh, pare back on some things. I am just so glad that God uh, prompted us a long time ago that you've got to be a praying church. Mike, if you're going to lead my people, I want you to put prayer as a priority. So we had our first worship and prayer night in a long time. If you weren't here, I just want to encourage you to come. It's every last Tuesday of the month. It's from 7 to 8. It's just hard to describe other than the presence of God is where there's worship. And so the prayers are going on. I'm waiting for some answers to come back on what happened in prayer night, but just want to make sure you know that prayer is power. That's where we find the power of God. And so I want to invite you to just set your calendars for that on your iPhones. Make sure that um, you make your way here. Um, Also, I'm excited because uh, towards the beginning, uh, the end of the year, we're going to be starting a new series all the way through the Gospel of Luke. And so we're going to be traveling with Jesus down the dusty roads uh, together. That's going to take a, probably a portion, better portion of the year. And so I just want to encourage you, maybe in your Bible reading time, your devotional time, take a look at the Gospel of Luke, get familiar with that, because we're going to be going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through that. All right, we are in a new series, totally jazzed about this, called Living the Dream. When my parents moved here years and years ago, it was all about, you know, having the cars, the houses, vacations, all the things in life, and that was kind of priority. It was moving out to Mission Viejo, wasn't a city yet, but there was like a dirt road, and there was some cattle in the background, there was maybe two uh, new new developments of homes, and that was kind of the focus of my parents' life. They didn't, uh, it wasn't like they were bad people or anything, they were trying to do bad, they just didn't know God, and so they kind of followed the world's ways, let's dream Of what we can do with our finances well I want to kind of flip that um, because I just really felt like going into the holiday season here soon that we need to get our finances in order and the best way to do that is to see what does God say about our finances and so we're going to be going through this series on living the dream but living the dream the way I want to kind of flip that is what is God's dream for us as his people, even for the world. What is it? God wants to connect with every single living, breathing person through relationship. And then when we find the Lord, he wants us then to grow in our relationship with him. And part of that is doing our finances God's way. And so um, I want to share some truths with you that I found to be totally applicable. God gives us a way to do our finances exciting fun and most of all freeing. So here's some things that I don't want us through the next 3 weeks to kind of just fall into this this trap of yeah, I know I've heard that before so why do I need to come? Um yeah, I should have known that financial decision we should have made, we should have known that really wasn't the best thing. Or yeah, I shouldn't have done it that way in the past with my money. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, we've completely blown it. We didn't do it God's way. I just want us to be from a launching pad of starting with God's truth and doing it God's way. So um, I've, I've found that um, I am usually satisfied with the things that I have until I see something that I don't have. Have you found that to be true? Everything's fine with what I have until I see, oh, they have that over there. Oh, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. And all of a sudden, what I thought was really cool is not really cool. So um, I found this video. I thought this was very interesting. Um, you're going to see a one-minute video here that I found on YouTube where you're going to see two monkeys in a plexiglass, two cages. They are um, following the director who's, you see, going to give them a rock. If they follow the instructions, they're going to get a prize. Now, the first prize is going to be a cucumber, Okay. You're going to see the one on the left get a cucumber. Then you're going to see the one on the right side. When he or she does the command, well, they're going to get a grape. So I want you to just watch this carefully. Watch the dynamic of the monkeys in this video and see if there's any correlation between them and us. Getting grape and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. the other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. She tests her rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us, and she gets cucumber again. Dude, that's me. I I, I can slip back into that so easily. I mean, I do that here, even in South County, Mission Viejo. I'll see my neighbor got a boat, and a boat look. His boat looks like this boat. Oh, and then I see my boat. Oh my gosh, right? See, it's all about attitude with our money. It's all about how do I see what God's given me? This is not a series to make you feel guilty because you got a lot of money. In fact, if you have the gift to make a lot of money, that's awesome. The question is, how am I managing what God's given me to please him? We're going to talk about that from what What God's word says. I found some statistics about marriage and money. See if any one of us fit into this. ABC reports and the Gallup poll came up with these recent last um, two or three years. 74% of couples argue over money. 25% of Americans less than $1,000 in their saving account. And money problems usually are the, th- because of money problems, are the third reason for divorce in America. So those are real statistics. That's what's really going on. I don't want to see our church, and I don't want to see us as a people of God um, fall into these traps. I want us to be financially free financially free does not mean we have lots of money financially free means I know the source God's given me talents and gifts to be able to make the money and finances and possessions what am I doing with that the good news is that God wants you and I truly to be financially free he does not want us to lay our head on the pillow at night and worry and stress about money trying to figure it out I want us to do three things here throughout this series One is, I want you to be able, if you're in debt, to get out of debt. Second is, I want you to be able to live without debt, live financially debt-free, and then I want you to have a plan for your finances." Most of us do not have a plan with our money. We just kind of go week to week, month to month, year to year, kind of hope it all falls together. When we get the promotion and we get the raise, then I'll kind of get things in order. I just believe God gave us such simple truth in the word, which is so easy to understand. And so um, we're going to walk through that together over the next three weeks. Fact. Here's a fact. We have listened At one time or another, to the lies about finances, haven't we? We've we've all done it. We've all bought something we shouldn't have bought. We bought it, and then we were sorry we got it and figured how we're going to get out of this. Um, So I just want to list some of the lies I think that we have all kind of bought into. Lie number one is the church is just only interested in your money. And can I tell you, I understand that. Because before I became Christian, before I was involved in church, I thought, well, yeah, dude, they're just out for my money. They want more money, more money, more money. In fact, I just heard of a pastor a few years ago that was trying to raise $30 million so he could buy a new jet. I'm like, what? I mean, so I understand some of this stuff is real, But MVCC, I can just speak on behalf of our church. I'm not here to slam any other churches or be judgmental. That's up to God and them. God is the judge of all this. But I can tell you from MVCC, we are very, very careful about being accountable with what we have to God. So, how do we know that MVCC is doing it right? Well, we have a yearly budget. You give your gifts to God, you give your money to the Lord here and to the work of the kingdom. I just want you to know from the get go, there's a budget that the elder shepherd team sets, and we stay with in that budget if we need to go outside of that budget that's for elder supervisor approval that is not for hey we can just spend and spend and spend we need this here we need this there we want to be good managers of what god has given us here at mvcc all of our leadership is accountable financially. We don't write checks. We don't spend money just off of it. We stay within that budgeted area. I also want you to know that there's a longevity over the years of 41 years of this church being in existence of not just a financial scandal going on. I mean, previous to myself being here, they've all, the leadership has always been committed to staying above reproach in that area. So I feel health. I feel like there's some health here, and I feel like there's some trust that we can trust that we're honoring God with the money. That you give, and I want to stay true to that. Um, We don't bill you here. It's not like, hey, we came to church three times out of the month, and my kids went to the Wednesday night program. Our junior hire spent uh, time over here on the Wednesday night, junior high night, so you're going to get a bill for $950 because you used our services, right? That's crazy. We don't do that. We trust God that where He guides, He's going to provide. And we trust that we all have a heart. If you're a follower of Christ, we want you to be able to trust God with everything that you have. So, I understand that whole thing about, you know, money and church. And there is some shady things going on, but I can tell you not here. We want to honor God with everything that we have. All right, line line number or fact, I'm sorry, fact is the church is about worship God and serving our community. I don't know if you knew this, but over the past 10 years, our missions uh, ministry portion of what we do here and giving back to the community, over $2 million have been given over the span of 10 years back to our community and even world-renowned global missions and outreaches and stuff. I just want you to know that because we are about giving back to the community. It's not like, well, we want you to give more money here so we can have more gold rings and newer cars and we can just have more. It's not about that. It's about reaching out to the community. So I want you to know that when the community calls us for example someone's passed away in their family they don't have a church family maybe they don't have a relationship with God we want to help them to know that so they call Mission VL Christian Church can you help us we don't have any money to give but can you help us absolutely we're here to serve you and we're here to outreach to you so I want to always be able to maintain we are here for the community we're not just here for us are you still with me okay all right all right, lie number two, church and pastors shouldn't talk about money. Church and pastors should not be talking about this subject. If you're here for the first time, I just want to say that out of the 52 weeks out of the year, we don't hobby horse and focus about money. We, we don't want something from you. I honestly, as your pastor, I want something for you. I want you to be financially free. Jesus gave 38 parables. We're going to look at one in just a minute in Matthew 25. 38 parables and 16 of them were about money and possessions that tells me this unfortunately the love of money and having more and more and more can become such a stronghold that it can we can lose our focus of following jesus and knowing what's really important in life would you agree to that line number three more and more things make me happy more and more things make me happy. Man, I bought into this. Before I got saved, I just, man, I just wanted to play professional tennis, make lots of money, big houses. I certainly wasn't going to get married probably until I'm like 70 because I'm just going to enjoy all the world. That was, I was on a fast track. I was going to do everything I possibly could to get there. And I thought, man, the more that I have, the happier that I be, I will be. But we know that's not true, right? That's not how it works. Whoever loves money never has enough, Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. That's from Solomon, the wisest man on the face of the earth and the richest man. Now, it doesn't say to have lots of money is not a good thing. He said the love, did we catch that? Love money, more, 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 I gotta get more. And whoever loves wealth, it's the passion, it's the driving train of my life. That just leads to a lot of disappointment and a lot of depression and a lot of unhappiness. I found something kind of interesting. Uh, most of us know who this guy is from movies and television shows. Jim Carrey, funniest guy ever, dude. This guy is hilarious. Love this guy's comedy. He is just, I saw him on uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. The guy just has me in stitches. I, I love these two movies, you know, The Grinch and The Mask. He's just hilarious. Here's, he doesn't know Christ. As far as I know, I don't think he knows Christ, and I don't think he's part of, of a Christian-like church community kind of thing, but here's what he said about money. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Isn't that interesting? This is from a guy who doesn't know Christ yet, and he understands Man, rich, fame, fortune, if that is the driving passion, you think that's going to make you happy, it's simply not going to be that way. So Mark 8.36 says this. I don't want to get my cue from Jim Carrey. I just thought that was kind of interesting that that's what the world. I want to get my cue from the word of God. And Mark 8.36 says this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So lie number four is this. It's not my money, I'm sorry, it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. It's my money, can do what I want, make my own decisions. You know, Jesus lived in a culture that thought like that. That's why, as I mentioned, 38 stories that Jesus told throughout the Gospels, 16 of them are about money and finances. So I want you to turn to your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 25. We're gonna take a look at... uh, a parable that Jesus told. Now, before we read the parable, I always like to read in between the lines of the scripture. So who was there? What was the time of the day? What was the culture? What was Jesus trying to accomplish when he was teaching this story to the people that were listening to him. Let's just imagine over here, as Jesus is in this town, he's teaching, walking down the dusty roads, people are following him, maybe even at some points by the hundreds, and at one point, it was even thousands of people. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Most commentators believe it was probably about 20,000 people, and they were there all day long, listening to the word of God. So there were a lot of people that liked to follow Jesus. Jesus was attractive in a sense that this might be the God that we've been studying over the years. This is the one that my grandparents told us about. He claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be God in flesh, Is this really the guy? So there was that group of people that were checking him out. There were other people that were passionately convinced from the mind and from the heart. This is the son of God, I'm with him, so I'll follow him wherever he goes. There were also some skeptics in the crowd that "Mm, not really sure if this God thing is really, really uh, viable. Not really sure if this is really the guy. I'm just kind of checking it out. Then there were those that were literally there trying to oppose Jesus and trip him up. So you got the crowd there in your mind, go with me. We got all those people And here's what Jesus says to them in Matthew 25, verse 14 and 15. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So the one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. Guys, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm leaving. I can't tell you when I'm coming back, but I'm giving you 20,000, I'm giving you 50,000, and I'm giving you 100,000. Now go and make sure you produce, invest whatever you got to do cuz I'm coming back to settle accounts. You know, the thing about Jesus when he was telling the story is, it wasn't just about the story. It was about there's a truth that's going to underline, that's going to be in the basement of this story that I so want you to understand this. So I want to capture your attention with this story. Out of this parable, we see four things. It's easy to remember they're the four T's. God gave every single one of us treasures, He gave every single one of us certain talents. And that comes out of Romans chapter 12. We all have gifts given by God. Number three is he's given us a testimony. He's given you a story about your life and how you came to Jesus Christ. And number four is he, all, he gave us 24 hours in the day. And so we all have treasure, talent, testimony, and time. Now, how are we handling those is the question. If I'm spending all of my focus on the treasure, you can see it's gonna be really hard to focus on Jesus and focus on what he wants me to do or wants you to do. Agreed? So the first two invested and made a profit. Let's continue in verses 16 to 23. Let's see what happens. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done. Don't we want to hear these words at the end of the day when we pass into eternity? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you said you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The first two did exactly what the master told them to do. It wasn't about the amount of money. It was about they saw themselves and they saw the master in a proper relationship. So, truth number one is this we are not owners, we are managers. This is life changing. This takes the pressure of us trying to make it happen financially. I have rarely sat down or heard with anyone who said they have a financial planner, and the financial planner sits down and says, hey, I am so glad you're making all this money. This is great because my kids need a new pool. We need a new BMW, and we need that vacation now. So awesome. No, the very first thing, and I've sat down with financial planners. The first thing they ask me is this, what are your goals? Because they understand it's I'm the owner. They're managing for me. See, when we get in trouble is we think we're the owner and God's the manager. You see how we can get lopsided with that? Again, I want to say throughout this series, bad, 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 having lots of money and lots of things. That's not bad, just as long as those things don't have me. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let my bank account, I'm not going to let my house and my cars and all the things that God has allowed me to have, I'm not going to let that own me. They're not going to dictate what I decide. I dictate what they're going to do through the owner's instruction from the word does that make sense so the owner is god it's simple in the parable the owner is god and we are simply managers so turn your bibles over to acts chapter 4 if you haven't Turn over to acts chapter 4 you can flip on your iphone in the holy bible app there it's so cool to have our bibles right on our phones this is an account i just want to illustrate this for you this is about a couple two and a half months after jesus had already risen from the dead and now he has ascended into heaven he's given his last command to his 12 disciples and now christianity man is like spreading like wildfire through the city of jerusalem Jerusalem was kind of a sleepy city. Yes, it was the city of God. The Jews traveled there once a year, Pentecost, to celebrate the things of God and worship. But now it's different because Jesus came to town. And Jesus had died on a cross. He had risen again. And now he had ascended into heaven so that we could have the gift of eternal life. And that message right now, right there, was being spread through the apostles. Not only were they spreading that message, but they had miracles. The Holy Spirit gave them the miraculous power to do all these miracles to show up the fact that God is alive. Jesus is alive. It's real. They needed some credibility. And so I just want you to see with me, this was catching like wildfire. Can I just hit the pause button for a second? And say 2,000 years later, I still have the dream that God had for Jerusalem back in the day, that he wanted that city to be the city of God, the city of the living God, that Jesus is living, breathing, he's active, and he's active through his people. And it is on us to be on fire, to be woken up in the spirit and live the way Jesus called us to live. I want Mission Viejo to be turned right side up. I want Lake Forest to be right side up. I want... Foothill Ranch to be turned right side up for God. Everybody in Jerusalem knew who Jesus was. Agreed? Not everybody accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but everybody certainly know there's some going around around these Jesus people. I want to see what's going on. Here's why this happened. You ready? And all the believers were in one heart and mind and they swung from the chandeliers and they spoke in all these weird things and these snake handlers up on the stage. No, that's not what they did. All the believers were in one heart and mind. You know when you're one heart and one mind with someone and you're you're so connected, you're so in unity, there is nothing like they were one in mind together. So what was the one heart and one mind about? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no need for any persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What this is not saying is sell it all and just give it away. That's not what he's saying because the church had early meetings in their homes. So they still had houses, but those who could afford to do this because God blessed them and they gave out of their abundance for those that had need. And it's not the amount, even those I believe that didn't have much, they still gave to those who had need. Why? Because Jesus had so resurrected their soul. Jesus had so changed their own life, they wanted everybody to be touched with God. And you know as well as I do, sometimes people don't listen about God unless the physical need is met. They were so one-hearted, so one-minded, so singly focused. I want to go back to verse 32 because that's the key verse in, these, in this text here because I believe this is also for modern day. All the believers were one-hearted. No one claimed that their possessions were their own. In our modern-day vernacular, everyone saw themselves as managers. They didn't own it. When my wife and I were, thank God, we were able to buy a home 21 years ago in Mission Viejo. We, we knelt down on the grass at the time and we prayed and said, God, this is your place. So people from church, come on over. Kids bring their friends, come on over. This is, this is your house, God. We want to manage it your way. With my bank account, things that I have—that's God stuff. It's all about attitude. I—I just need to say again, I am not here teaching to slam you because you made some bad decisions about money. I've done the very same thing. I've gotten off focus for with my off focus with my finances. I'm so glad that God redirects us and He challenges us once again to manage God's way, His way. So, truth is. We are all called to advance the owner's goals. Yeah. So the question is not what I'm going to do with my money, because it's not my money. What am I going to do with his? Because I'm now in favor of the owner and what his goals are. So um, I've kind of whittled this down. This is I'm kind of a simple person, so sorry. That's just how I am. I got to see in bullet point And one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I can understand that. Here's five things, options. The only five options I can see that we can do with our money. Okay? We can spend it. We're good at that, right? We can pay off debt. That's a good thing. Uh, pay taxes, which we're required to do that. And here in California, that's a sore subject. I'll stop there. Number four is save and invest. That's a good thing, right? And of course, oh, shoot. And give. Give to God. Give to His work, His kingdom. Now, the norm in America, my guess is the norm. This is probably the order of what we do with our finances. We go through this order. This is pretty much about me. That's pretty much about me. This is pretty much about Caesar and the governor. And then this is um, save and invest for those of my loved ones. I want to make sure that they have something, I want to leave them something good. And of course, oh yeah, shoot, we got to give a little bit back to you, God. I want to flip the script. I want to say this. If we just could reverse all this and turn this upside down, it, it really should be giving first to God. I want to say this again, I I just, I, I want you to, it's not about the amount, I'm not here to ask you for more money, I want us to be so financially sound that we're doing our finances the way the Bible teaches, and this is the way the Bible teaches us, we give to God first, then we save and invest, then we pay our taxes, then we pay our debt, and then we have money to spend, which I'll get to in just a moment, getting ready to close, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, right? With the first fruits of your crops. So, how does this work? When my wife and I got married um, 31 years ago, we um we had some really good counsel. Now we had we had given our lives to Christ about two years before we got married. So we had some teaching under my pastor. And then I was reading the Bible like a madman. I just couldn't get enough of the Bible and want to know what this, how does all this work? God doing life with Jesus. How does this happen? What am I supposed to do? So with all that, we had some really sound teaching about managing money God's way. My pastor was big time old school. You know, he'd get me in a room and he'd say, look, you love your wife first and then you give to God financially very first at the top and then God will take care of the rest. And he just kind of hammered that in and he showed scriptures and all that. So when we got back from our honeymoon, We went to Big Bear in Disneyland for our honeymoon. So that's where we went. And then when we came back after a couple of weeks, we decided, yes, we're gonna do this God's way. We're gonna give God first. So every paycheck that came in, 10% went right to the Lord. And it wasn't, that's not legalistic. We don't have to do that. We wanted to do that because if God gave me eternal life and He loves me for free and I have all these amazing blessings in my life, why would I want to hold back to the owner who owns it all, right? So it's just, yes, we want to give from the heart. So we gave right off the top 10%, we give it back to the kingdom, the work of God. From day one, we did that for about six or seven months. I can tell you it was about eight or nine months after that that we got scared, we got afraid. Something happened, I don't remember exactly what it was, we couldn't make one of the bills, and so we held back our tithe till the next month. And I'll just say this, that month was the worst month of our first year of marriage. We were arguing, bickering, it just seemed off focus, just nothing was coming together, we didn't have that unity that we had, that joy and all that, and I just believe some of that was directly related to when I don't put God first. Everything else starts to get out of order. You know in Matthew six thirty three. Matthew 6.33 says seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So we think, oh, well, I'm not giving to God first because if I give to God first, he's going to give me a bunch of junk. That doesn't say that in the word. In fact, Abraham, the very first Jewish person with Sarah, he was a rich guy. He had all kinds of money, all kinds of finances, all kinds of property, all kinds of crops. He just dedicated it all to God. So when we got back on the 10th month back on track again, we just always, and I, I don't say that out of any pride or arrogance. I, I just want to be real with you and let you know that, that I would never ever want to teach you something that I'm not practicing and doing. I, I just, My father always taught that to me. Never ask anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself first. So we just give 10%. We give a little more than that because, well, because we should do that. It's the right thing to do. Well, I want to be obedient to God, but most of all, I love God. He loved me. He lets me keep 90%. And when I do it his way, it's just so different. So I thought, you know, just visuals are powerful for me. I'm a visual person. So I have here 10 $1 bills. This is what Laura and I do just to, again, I'm simple. I just learn through simplicity and I can, I can carry through when things are made easy for me. So we have 10 $1 bills. Let's say we get 10 $1 bills for a month. We worked, we received this income. This is what we have for the month. The very first one goes to God, number one. The second one goes to savings and investing. And the eight remaining are how we want to spend it. Wait, I think I need to do that again because you're all staring at me like, what? <laughs> the first one goes to God. It's, it's, it's not the amount, it's the principle of it. This goes to the Lord. It's his. He's the owner, I'm the manager. Second one goes to savings and investing because that's really important to do in our world. I have people behind me, I wanna leave a legacy. Then the eight, he lets us spend and we pray about it and we can have fun with it. It's It's just so much easier when we do it God's way. Now, we rarely, my wife and I, we rarely argue and fight about money. Because we've already set our financial plan together, we've decided together, there's no one person that controls all the finances, we've sat down over a dinner, shut off the cell phones, we wrote down all of our expenses, then we wrote down our net worth every month. We want to make sure that those numbers match. This is so easy. And once those numbers match, now we have our plan. So there's no arguing. There's no like, well, Mike came home with the jet skis. If I came home with the jet skis, which I've not done exactly that, but I've done something like that from Best Buy, and it was 70 inches. And it went on the wall. And my wife's like, what? We have college fund. We have da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, yeah, but this was on sale. It was half price. It was the one we wanted. It's got 4K. It's, 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 it's going to be better for ministry. We can watch Bible studies on it. We can, and I started grasping for stuff, and my wife's like, yeah, right. And so she's not happy. Now, I'm not happy because I can't enjoy it because she's not happy. What I'm saying is if we've decided together, we list all of our expenses. And in those expenses, now watch this, there is a place for things that you'd like to have. But isn't it better? If, this is, and if, if you're single and you're hearing this, dude, this, I want to get this in order before I get married. Right? But when you're married and now you decide together, what about vacations? What about financial goals? What about the, the vacation home? What about having something for the kids? You see how it works? We're doing it together and we're taking into account the owner's manual and what he, how he decided we should do it. That way there's no arguing about the jet skis because we decided. Most people think if I get a financial plan, I don't get to go golfing anymore, right? Right? I don't get to go water skiing. I don't get to do the fun stuff. Not true. You just build it into your financial plan. As long as I'm giving God first, then we decide together or alone, single, we decide this is what I'm gonna do according to your word. Now, before I just give you these principles which are so simple, and then I hope you come back next week because it's gonna get even better about, man, just, let's do this God's way. When my wife and I bought that home 21 years ago, It was already 20 years old. So it's 41 years old now. But a couple of years ago, I started noticing, man, that the tiles coming off the pool. And I always wanted to have a pool because I wanted my kids to invite their friends over to our house. And I wanted to have baptisms and have people over. And so we have a pool. The tile's coming off. It just seems kind of crowded in here now. I just need more square footage. And there's more people coming over. And we got life groups and Bible studies. And we're kind of cramped down here. And So I'm just kind of surfing around on Zillow, looking at some homes. And I'm thinking well, we could use this for ministry. So let's get a bigger house. I am not saying getting a bigger house is against God's rule. I'm not saying that. I'm just sharing you what happened in my story, okay? So I'm like, Laura, I think we need to move move? Why do we need to move? My wife's a very content person. No, look at this, man. If we had like extra square footage and the pool wasn't falling apart and the diving board falling off and it looks like green water and it just, the bricks are falling. My, literally, my fence on the right side between my neighbor was falling over. There's just things we need to fix. So let's just move. Let's cash out and move into Mishmio or Lake Forest or somewhere and get a bigger house. So my wife, so I, I just love her to death because she's just like, okay, he's on another one of his kicks. So if we go and look at some of these homes, and so as we're looking at these houses at Off Zillow, and I'm like, this is so cool. this bigger backyard. We can have Bible studies out here. The pool is better and everything. More baptisms. And we'd get into the car, and she'd pull out her notebook and go, 46, six carry them one. And then she'd start sweating. As her hands started, she's getting really stressed out and nervous. And I'm watching this after about three or four weeks of looking at houses. And I'm picking up on the fact that, and now she's up at night. And she's normally not up at night. And so she's getting all stressed out. The house is getting all stressed out. And, and she's trying to go along this, with this, on this ride with me. Because I'm going to finish this baby all the way to the finish line. That's, that's just kind of how I am. I can push and push and push. She's really nervous, unsettled. And I'll, t- I'll tell you, the thing that really got me was not so much the fact, and you guys know living here in South County, that before we even went to the lender to get out another mortgage payment, to take out another loan, we were already 1500 bucks into taxes, HOA. I haven't even started now to get into a new mortgage payment. Just where my salary was, we couldn't do that. Seeing my wife stressed out and nervous and discontent and figuring out how we're going to do this, you know how the Lord is so good. He's so gracious. He doesn't chastise. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. It was in a quiet moment. (laughs) I don't want to see my wife like this. This doesn't now feel like it's from God. Then when I saw that video, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, You're the monkey, dude. You want the grape. I gave you the cucumber. When I want to give you the grape, I'll make that happen. You're pushing and driving this thing. Stop. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, I fell on my knees. There were some tears. I felt really bad. I've drugged my wife through this whole thing. And I found out through the... And, the, and God is so good because he doesn't ever say no. And you're never going to get anything else. He says, no, but this over here. It's a wonderful thing called remodel. That's right. right? Those of you know some of that through COVID, right? We're redoing some of our houses. And thank God, I was... We're patient enough to wait for the right bids to come in and knock down this wall and knock down this wall and repave over here and redo the pool. I love where I live and it's okay. I'm not up at night worrying about money because we always maintain God is first. So what I'm not saying is if you get a bigger house or more stuff, I'm not saying that that's bad. You got to pray and seek out what the Lord has for you. I'm just saying, let's do this thing together. So I want to just a quick review. Number one, what did we walk away with? What did God speak to us about? Number one is this, we are not owners, but we are managers, right? Number two is, we are called to advance the owner's goals, not Mike's goals. And he always knows what's best. So a little homework for you this week, and I want you to come back. Get together with your spouse or get together with yourself and the Lord and just, here's my expenses, everything. Starbucks, uh, insurance, car insurance, maintenance, tires for the car, education, groceries, everything. And then you're gonna get your net worth and then you're going to make sure that those numbers match. First, you're gonna pray. Then you're gonna see where you are in your finances. And then lastly, as now I'm gonna set some financial goals and pray about that. God, what do you want to do? Now, I have a little gift for you. In fact, our whole pastoral team, we have a gift for you that we wanna give you. Now, I'm so excited about this. Anybody ever heard, about the, heard of the guy named Dave Ramsey? He is awesome. YouTube this guy, get on. Uh, this information is for you in front of your seat back. Now look, I really want, please, I really want you to do this. It has been life transforming for us. It has once again reinstigated some things that we believe and that is get out of debt as quickly as possible and you can live debt free. Without pain, some pain, but you can do it. And you can have some financial goals. And you might even have more than you expected to have because you're doing it. God's He's a full on believer in Jesus Christ. His story, just real quick, is that he got into this real estate tycoon era during the early 80s. He made millions of dollars back in the day when that was a lot of money. And he lost it all, long story short, is fell to his knees, figured out he had nothing, almost lost his family, gave his life to Jesus Christ started reading the Bible about what the Bible said about money. And he came up with all these resources. In fact, the number one, book, uh, number one best-selling book is The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. It's amazing. And it's so good. $130 worth of resources, yours for free. And so all you do is you just take the QR code right here, put your phone up, boop, right there. And you're going to get all these resources for free. I want to ask you, please, at least the total money makeover, take a look at that through the series, because here's, here's what I think God, I just sense God doing. When my people get their finances right my way, I am waiting to bless and bless and bless. And however that blessing comes, hey, it's up to him. doesn't matter to me. I just want to be under God's favor. Amen? God, we thank you that your word is so crystal clear. Thank you, God, that you continually have patience, patience after patience after patience. When sometimes, Lord, I act like the monkey and I want the grape. And I, I thank you, Lord, that you never leave our side, that you never leave us. God, anyone here today that just, gosh, you know what? I, I want to get my financial house in order, I want to leave something that's in order when I leave this earth. And all of that stuff that sometimes we think about, God, I pray that decisions are made, God. I pray there's a, an application to what we have spoken here today, God. We love you, Lord. Anyone here, God, that just maybe feels far away from you, God, I know you are just one prayer away. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us credible evidence that you were here on earth that you really did die on a cross. You really did rise from the dead. It's a known fact. And I thank you for all the credibility that you left behind so that we could know you in our heart and from our mind and from our actions, God. My prayer, God, is that through this series we will totally become free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.